Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over a 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. From Variety, I'm Michael Schneider. Once in every lifetime. Patty Jenkins has become a celebrated director for films such as Monster and Wonder Woman as well as her recent TV-limited series, I Am The Night. But she's also a huge comedy fan, and her dramatic turn actually surprised some friends at first. I, for some unknown reason, have been obsessed with comedy since I was a child. Mm. And, like, the first record I bought was Steve Martin's Wild and Crazy Guy. Mm. And my mom was just telling a story. as I would just flip it over and just listen to it over and over and over again. And there was something about edgy interesting comedy that always has really delighted me yeah. and 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 um caught my imagination so i always was all through my youth going out of my way to find kind of underground comedic things and you know i was okay with mainstream sitcoms but like i said it was like it was only the great ones that i really was a huge fan of yeah. on this edition of the podcast we talked to patty jenkins about one of her favorite episodes of tv the 1984 finale to the cult british comedy classic the young ones we also talk about her career, I Am the Night, and even get a Wonder Woman 1984 question in. It's my favorite episode. My favorite episode. episode. Let's talk TV. TV. My favorite episode makes me so happy. so happy ladies and gentlemen welcome to varieties my favorite episode let's give it up for your host michael schneider thank you dj omar khan for the theme song it's my favorite episode and this time out we're talking to emmy nominated director patty jenkins jenkins pick is summer holiday the series finale of the young ones a surrealistic british sitcom that aired in the uk on bbc2 and here in the States on MTV. Ben Elton, Rick Mile, and Lise Mayer wrote the episode, while Paul Jackson and Ed By directed. In the episode, Misfit Flatmates Mike, played by Christopher Ryan, Vivian, played by Adrian Edmondson, Rick, played by Rick Mayo, and Neil, played by Nigel Planner, are bored. So bored that they destroy their flat and are evicted. Then they decide to rob a bank. And on the lamb, they eventually crash off the side of a cliff. I told you this show was surreal. Got him, Paul. School's out forever! Yeah, come on, everyone. Let all your hair hang out. Do whatever you want. What's all the excitement, Rick? Has education finally been cut altogether? That's the only reason I voted Tory. We're on holiday! I finished my last exam and the summer term is over! Over? I didn't even know it started. Oh, yes, Michael, that's right. Your tutor asked me to tell you that if you don't turn up again next year, then he and the dean might have to seriously reconsider your grant. Oh, well, you can tell my tutor I've still got the photographs of him and the dean. I'll ask for one of those PhDs next year. Ah, summer holidays. Twelve weeks with nothing to do, and the sun's shining already. <laughs> hey, doesn't it 
remind you of when you were little and you used to sit in the garden in only your underpants. <laughs> you used to put loads and loads of fruit down them and pretend to be pirates. <laughs> And then, and then, when your mummy and daddy went out, you used to take off all your clothes and pretend to be snakes by wiggling about in the sandpit. <laughs> bod, 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 bod. Patty Jenkins was a super fan of The Young Ones, recording the series on VHS and watching episodes over and over again. As someone who was getting into the hardcore scene here in America, Jenkins could relate to the show's anti-establishment ethos and having fun with the stereotypes of her generation. We sat down recently with Jenkins to discuss her love of alternative comedy, which included other British series as well, such as Absolutely Fabulous, and also her love of the year 1984, which is not only when this episode of The Young Ones aired, but it's also, of course, the setting for her upcoming Wonder Woman sequel. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm pleasantly surprised about Young Ones, so tell Good. me, g- give me the backstory on how you became a Young Ones fan. So honestly, I'm, su- I'm surprised by it myself in, in so far as I was like, what is the show that I really watched wore out, have watched over and over again to the extent that I know I know an episode off the top of my head that I would say. There's tons of shows. Interestingly, I'm primarily a comedy viewer. Uh-huh. And so ever since I was a kid, I've voraciously consumed, you know, and that was when I first thought about it. I was like, was, is it Carol, Carol Burnett, Bob Newhart? Like all of these shows I watched, yeah, you know. All, all the classics. Even, all the classics, but even like Get a Life or, yeah. or uh, um, you know, Seinfeld. All kinds of comedy. Love comedy. Yeah. And so I was torn, but the truth is the young ones did have a special place in my heart because I did like great comedy. I didn't like standard sitcoms generally, unless it was like Bob Newhart, who Mm -hmm. was just so brilliant that there was always this edge to it. Um, But the young ones was the first time I saw a show that they're not exactly my generation. They're older than me, but, but yet it was speaking to me. It was alternative. It was the first really strong example of alternative comedy of my generation that I saw. And so I, I just couldn't get enough of it because it was all of the, all of the different stereotypes that they were playing with were stereotypes in my own generation. I myself was a punk rocker. I was in the hardcore scene here in America. And so you know, Vivian's character was like, oh my God, near and dear to my heart, but we were all friends with Neils and we were all friends with Ricks and, and, you know, we were all friends with Mike's. So it was like to see those characters come to life in, uh, in something that both was, was mocking sitcoms and incredibly successful as a sitcom, you know, and then that play of like surrealism and so seeing it, I had always watched Monty Python and I had seen, you know, shows like that, but it was, it was definitely of another generation and more foreign, even though this was in the UK, it was far less foreign and super familiar. And, you know, and it was funny rewatching summer holiday. I was like, I remember every scene Almost every line. They still ring in my board, 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 board. Like, I still say that to myself in yeah. my head. And so, yeah, I just, I loved it. I just loved the show. <laughs> and then you take a cricket bat and yeah. just, like, slam up the, the, the room. So violent. <laughs> <laughs> so, did, did you watch it on MTV? Is that yeah. how you? Yeah. Because I, yeah. I remember, like, uh, it was so weird back in the day because it was nothing but music videos, of exactly. course. Exactly. And then the young ones, like the one weird, like, outlier sitcom in totally. the middle of music videos on MTV. And it was, like, so weird yeah. for it to be sticking out there. It made me really appreciate, in retrospect, it has made me really appreciate that MTV aired it because... 
because what a great choice and what a bold choice. And, and I ended up going on to be a huge fan of all of those people. And so then, because, you know, back then we would go to video stores and you'd find like the great obscure video store. Mm -hmm. So then I started watching the comic strip show and all of the, you know, French and Saunders and then absolutely fabulous and all. I became a huge fan of all of that movement of comedy and sort of following all of it. Um, But I wouldn't have, I don't know that I would have known about it. And then it's interesting in the absence of MTV playing something like that, there, there are, you know, I'm spending a huge amount of time in the UK right now to finish Wonder Woman 1984. Um, But there's like a whole huge chunk of comedy that I missed because no one was airing it here and cable wasn't what it is now and you couldn't find it. And so I'm, I'm so grateful for that period of time that I really grew up watching so much of that comedy. Yeah, yeah. Now, where were you living at the time? Were you in Kansas at the time? I was point? in Kansas or? and Washington, D.C. Yeah. Yeah, so, so you know, it's, it's uh, kind of unexpected to get so into this absurdist British comedy. Yeah. Um, but, but nonetheless, it was available to everyone watching MTV in the day. So, so that kind of informed a little bit of your, your, it did. your taste in terms of comedy? or I, I don't know. I... I, for some unknown reason, have been obsessed with comedy since I was a child. Mm -hmm. And like the first record I bought was Steve Martin's Wild and Crazy Guy. Mm -hmm. And my mom was just telling a story as I would just flip it over and just listen to it over and over and over again. And there was something about edgy interesting comedy that always has really delighted me and 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 um caught my imagination so i always was all through my youth going out of my way to find kind of underground comedic things and you know i was okay with mainstream sitcoms but like i said it was like it was only the great ones that i really was a huge fan of yeah yeah and then besides that i liked sort of bizarre absurdist stuff and this definitely was bizarre and absurd yes more so than almost anything. Yeah. yeah, I mean, other than Monty Python. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, and and so and uh, Monty Python also was uh, aired on MTV for a period of time. Was it? So yeah, yeah. That's Mo- funny. Mon- and and the monkeys. <laughs> I remember the monkeys. Yeah. I definitely watched the monkeys as as well as a result of MTV. Yeah, yeah. So so. Yeah. They they liked uh, well those uh, so Monty Python monkeys a little more uh, retro yeah uh, absurdist uh, comedy and then young ones a little more contemporary for for the era yep but you mentioned you were also into the punk rock scene yeah so I was and so there was there was a it, that was the thing is like there the punk scene had morphed into the hardcore scene in America but the hardcore scene was such an amazing thing to observe from my point of view because I got into it about. 82, 83. Mm -hmm. And it was just kind of the weirdos. Like it was the weirdos of any kind. I had lived all over the world, so I probably wasn't exactly the standard kid from Kansas. But it also had every other person of every outside scene at the in the at the beginning of the scene, as I witnessed it in America, was like, um, it wasn't just people with mohawks. There were people with mohawks, but it was the long hairs and it was the hippies and it was the people of other religions or other countries who just didn't quite fit in getting together and having this great time. Mm-hmm. And so I think that was the other reason that the young ones is kind of like that. The punk scene morphed into being a scene probably everywhere that had a lot of outsiders of all different kinds and you were kind of all hanging out together. So that was a great thing about that too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and obviously reflective of the political uh, era in, in the UK as well. Uh, yeah. Yeah, mentions of Thatcher and the Tories yeah. and, and unemployment and, and uh, you know, it's a smart show on top of it being absurd totally. and, and bizarre. Yeah. And it was funny because I went back, summer, summer holiday was the end, the last episode it turned yeah. out, which I hadn't even really thought about. 
So I went back and I was rewatching the beginning. And it is so funny the different things that they're, you know, like Rick is supposed to be this incredibly radical liberal, you know, character. And it is in that last episode that he's revealing that his parents are super conservative. And he's saying, like, but you got to hand it to Thatcher. He's really brought this country together. And it, like, it is these little plays on all sorts of different things. And yeah. you know what? It still makes me laugh. Mm-hmm. That's the thing. I just rewatched the episode and laughed through the whole thing. And comedy is so dated so often. And so that's pretty impressive that it's as funny now as it ever was. Yeah, yeah. Do you think that there, there's something to be said for that that style of uh, you know, British absurdist comedy that sort of uh, has longevity because it is so subtle that, that maybe you even sort of miss some of it, uh, that, that it feels still sort of contemporary now? Maybe. I think so. You know what else I think it is? Is that it is, it's basically relying, not unlike Monty Python, upon incredibly funny people who are creating incredibly funny characters that then collide with each other. So that it's not, it's not a formula that is reliant upon, you know, like it's only funny if you remember that period. This is just, these are just super funny people yeah. who would be funny in a variety of different characters colliding against each other. And, you know, many sitcoms have done it, but I was even thinking about how interesting it is that you that the entire show is literally just the tension between those four characters. Mm-hmm. Like there's it doesn't matter what else happens. Even in summer holiday, it goes from them sitting in the backyard to then them playing, trying to play cricket in the in the living room to them now homeless. And then they're on the bus on a bus tour. And it's sort of irrelevant. Yeah. Like you could when they, when they're suddenly homeless, you barely understand why. I guess it's because Alexi Sale, who's playing their landlord, has come in and kicked them out. And yes, that happens in it. But you're like barely following that that happens. And then they're homeless suddenly. It doesn't matter. It's like a it's like a it's like a play that just roves from location roams from location to the location, yeah. continuing to be funny because of the tension between the four people. Right, right, and and even though it's the final episode and the bus explodes at the end, yeah. and, and so conceivably they're all dead, it doesn't really matter. The show could have come back. Yeah, <laughs> like they. Oh could yeah, have, sure. They could have had another season. It wouldn't have mattered. And as a matter of fact. They did, uh, over the years, reunite and, and uh, recreate their characters uh, on, on various specials and, yeah. and what have you as it is. And, and so kind of nothing mad. The, the, the stakes are different. <laughs> it's yeah. it's kind of just, it's, you know, comedy and story for, for comedy's sake. Totally. Yeah. So... So you go. Uh, you, you mentioned you've watched uh, Young Ones quite a few times over the years. I have. I I I remember this was back in the days of having your VCR hooked up to your TV and taping it. So I definitely, clearly, I had these episodes on on VHS because I've I've when I started watching it again, I was like, oh my god, I remember every line. I wore this thing out at some point. So I think that yeah, I taped them all and watched them all. And I, it's funny, I can even remember the decoration on the back of the spine of the VHS <laughs> that it was on, um, that I had it and comic comic strip live on it. Um, but anyway, yeah, so I watched it a lot. Was this a show that you watched with others? Was was it something a passion you shared with anyone? Or, or yeah, I'm sure a little of both. I think it was one of those things where you only had the limited v- videos that you had, so I would watch it on my own. Yeah. But I'm sure that I would show it to friends of mine. And I think also, you know, particularly amongst my group of friends, collecting obscure things and showing them to each other, whether it be you know rare, you know, like. Desmond Decker singles that I found, which I have, you know, 
for it. I have this, I have like, you know, uh, I had a big record collection. And so obscure records and fanzines and, you know, shows that nobody had seen was a thing and mm-hmm. particularly was a thing in the, in the hardcore punk scene. Um, and so I think that, you know, collecting that stuff and showing it to each other was a big thing. So yeah. I'm sure I was showing yeah. it to everybody. <laughs> Back in the pre-online era where yeah. it was but all the, about show, yeah. Yeah, showing people. Exactly what, what you had that other people didn't have. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but everybody saw the young ones. Do you still uh, do you do still talk to people about it? Do you, do you find every once in a while you run into a, a, a common young ones fan? And you're able to geek out or not, not? No, I because I don't even think that I've tried. I definitely yeah. come across people who are who came up watching comedy and into comedy, and you know we talk about those things. But that that's one place right in the middle because I feel like I've talked uh, many times about you know my obsession with Carol Burnett and Steve Martin and these guys who I grew up watching, yeah. but. But the young ones being of our generation is not something that I've ever really taken note of until you've asked me what the episode is. And it suddenly makes me really reflect on that was our show, even though it was British. It was our generation's show. Yeah, yeah. No, that's great. I'm glad we're we're finally bringing you out and talking about the young ones. Yeah. Uh, and, and you mentioned that the, it kind of opened the door for for other comedies, including uh, absolutely fabulous. Yeah, and, and uh, you know, uh, which I could have easily picked an episode of. And yeah. the only reason I didn't is because I feel like it's been so much more celebrated. But I loved absolutely fabulous too. What a brilliant show! Yeah, just amazing. And, and French and Saunders, their show before that was yeah, amazing. Yeah, and, and uh, Fry and Laurie, I think, uh, didn't, didn't they have, like, uh, at least Stephen Fry, I think, uh, made an appearance on Young Ones at one point. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he did. He did, and a bunch of great bands, and a bunch of, It was funny, in the episode I was just watching, I, I even thought I saw, what's his name, who's Alan Partridge? Steve Coogan, of course. Yes, uh, of course. That, but, uh, but, but so that's, that's, that's funny. So you've, uh, you've been, been in the UK recently. Yeah. What, what are you watching these days? Uh, you, you still... Uh, you know what? I ju- it. It's funny. I just am halfway through the second season of Fleabag, yeah. which I have to say I, I, I'm really loving. Yeah. And the first season, I, I when I first started watching it, I wasn't getting it quite as much. But now I'm like, oh, I get it. This is amazing. Uh, what else am I watching over there? You know, I, I now it doesn't matter where you are. I've been, you know, I just watched start to finish Chris Lilly's new show. I watched it with my son and it was amazing. Yeah, lunatics. Lunatics. Yeah. Masterpiece. I love yeah. it so much. And it actually ends so beautifully like that, it, which I'd watched all of his other series and it, I never had had such a satisfying ending. I, you're just expecting it to be a funny show, but it's super touching. The yeah. end of Lunatics. Yeah. Yeah. So mostly just whatever I find all over the place yeah there's too much tv yeah these days yeah so, exactly but so interesting that you're you're so into comedy uh, i you know, know. <laughs> obviously being known more for for drama uh you know in the film world uh yeah it's funny because that just sort of happened to me i always i, I wouldn't have been surprised if i had been a comedy director mm-hmm. that was you know i dated a comedian for years in new york when i was coming up and I had grown up watching comedy and observe have always been a real student of comedy and uh, Monster was just the opportunity that came because I also watch a lot of true crime and I'm very interested in all kinds of other great movies. But that was the opportunity was that people were making those, um, they were making straight to video serial killer movies. And I said, well, you know, this is a story that somebody should tell. And if I was going to tell her story, how would I try to make it the greatest thing that I could aim for? And it turned into, you know, something that didn't go straight to video. It turned into me writing and directing Monster. But it was funny because a lot of my friends who I'd known in the comedy world uh, 
in the 90s in New York were shocked, sort of like, what? We all thought you were like a comedy person. What happened? And then that was why I went and directed Arrested Development right afterwards is because I, I didn't want to only be this serious, yeah. dark person. But honestly, I love them both. And I think that 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 very good work in either side requires the other. It was funny. I just met Adam McKay at something who, you know, I'm a huge fan of. Yeah. And he was saying, that's so funny. I came up watching only drama and was surprised I ended up being in comedy. I feel very much that way. But yet I employ them both. Yeah. Uh, both of those appre- sets of appreciation all the time. Yeah. And no matter what I do. Yeah, yeah. And the line is so blurred now. Uh, yeah. To some degree. I mean, some of the you know shows that you just mentioned, like Fleabag. Uh, yeah, or, or exactly. Lunatic, uh, you know, or, or a lot of these half hours that we're seeing now yeah. are, are so dramatic with comedic elements. Uh, and, and uh, you know, plenty of dramas out there, obviously, that employ comedy as well. So... Exactly. There are no genres anymore. <laughs> yeah, which is great, and that's and that is great that that's that I feel like where this chapter is is finally when that that sort of conversation has become mainstream instead of alternative. If you're having to find some small interesting person, you're getting these you know mainstream things on Netflix or on you know all over the place really that that kind of do both and weave the line. Yeah, yeah. Of course, uh, when it comes to I'm the Night, it does have a little more of a, a specific genre attached to it. Yeah, so, definitely. And, uh, you know, I've I, I've always been obsessed with Los Angeles. I've been here 25 years now. So, you know, anything L.A. history, I gravitate to. So, you know, I'd heard some of the stuff of George Hodel over the years. Oh, and, had you? And Fauna as well. Oh, but, yeah, cool. But, but, you know, to kind of see it you know, play out on screen and the, the whole sort of mystery behind Fauna Hodel. And, yeah. And, you know, it's... That's like catnip, I think, for a lot of us here in L.A. Yeah, it was for me, too. You know, as as a connoisseur of a great story, as we all are, but as one who dips into true crime for it often, I couldn't believe, and I've said it a few times, and I and I actually think it's just completely true, this was the best story I had ever heard. I couldn't believe what she was telling when I met Fauna Hodel and she told me the story. I was like, that's the most incredible, actual, true life story I've ever heard. And at the same time, it had these, it was like the told through the eyes of this beautiful person who was a wonderful spirit who sort of made it a bigger story in my eyes, ultimately, because it, it became about triumph of the spirit rather than just, and then these terrible seedy things happened. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I felt honored to get to be the one to, to finally tell it. Yeah. Because yeah. you know, what, what a story. Yeah. And, and it's heartbreaking that she's not here to yeah. have experienced the whole rollout of the show and, and, uh, you know, yeah. And and all the discussions since then. Yeah, um, really too bad. Yeah, yeah, that seems to happen. At, like it feels like relatively often that. Uh, you know, it's happened to me twice. Yeah, it's happened to me twice that I was in conversation with people and they were they died right before I shot. When I made Monster, Eileen warned us what we didn't know would happen, and she got executed a month before we started shooting. And Fauna died two months before we started shooting. So it's very odd. You know, it's a very yeah. odd experience. Very different in different significance both times but um but very strange and puts a lot of responsibility on your shoulders to to live up to it not that there isn't any way uh, when you're telling any person's true life story but like is is kind of extra yeah. <laughs> extra pressure yeah yeah and also i think the, the lesson learned is be careful when you're talking to patty jenkins about telling your life story <laughs> no. <laughs> 
<laughs> no, please no. Pure coincidence. Yeah. Pure coincidence. Pure coincidence. Uh, but but nonetheless, uh, yeah, like you were saying, that you, you feel a responsibility. Um, yeah, yeah, and I go into it feeling that way. Uh, but it's their one when you know it's their one shot to get their story told, and that you're the person that they that they left that responsibility with. Um, it, it's, you know, it's, it's serious business and it's, and it's also been beautifully inspiring in both cases because it meant that my experience on both of those, uh, projects, it's just, it's never been about the people working on it. It's ne there's never been any ego or any, anything. We're all marching towards, um, a greater responsibility to try to make something beautiful out of this opportunity rather than, you know, like I've just been. Uh, able to dodge any, you know, t tension between actors or stars or power or any, I, I don't, you know, I haven't, I haven't experienced that. Yeah. Yeah. Which is great. Yeah. What do you think that is? Is, uh, you know, is, is, uh, that, that just comes down to your uh, philosophy think, or, or? I, I think it, it, it is my philosophy, but I don't know that that's why it happens. I think it's about, um, I think it's about everybody wants to bring beautiful things into the world. Everybody also is capable of doing work where they realize that's not what they're doing or they're doing it for the money. And all kinds of different things are possible in that scenario. But I really think that almost all artists that I've met want to do something beautiful and significant and important. So if you can find the core of what that is when you're working, it's incredibly helpful to be a unifying thing because, because, because you know, I, I really think that's universal desire to, to, to make a mark in this world that matters and do something good. Doesn't mean you'll succeed and it doesn't mean it always works that way, but to try and to know that that's what you're trying to do holds everybody very uh, accountable to a different master Yeah, yeah. than ego, you know? So uh, how are things right now with uh, Wonder Woman uh, 1984? Uh, we're getting getting close, right? Getting close, yeah. They're great. I mean, it's like it's we're I'm I'm finishing. I just finished another cut of the film, so I had done my director's cut, done another cut. Um, I'm feeling super excited about it. It's too bad it'll be a while before it comes out, but that's great too yeah. because you you know it really gives us the time to do the score and roll around in things, which, you know, last time we were, we were slamming right into a, re a release date. So it's kind of a great benefit that I'll actually get to finish the film, you know, at a good pace, but yeah, it's, it's, it's super exciting. Yeah. You know, it's funny when you picked this episode of the young ones, of course, I couldn't help but notice that this, this episode aired in 1984. I know. Isn't that funny? So. I, I know I hadn't thought of it when I did, but it's perfect. Yeah. Yeah. It, it is funny. 1984 was such a, an incredible quintessential year of the eighties, yeah. which is why we picked it for the movie. But I thought that was so great too, that yeah. it was, you know, it was definitely, it, it definitely was a, a, a very memorable, important time in my life. Yeah. Yeah. I imagine. And, and uh, like you were mentioning uh, a pivotal pop culture year. I mean, when I think of 84, that's when Madonna came on the scene and Prince had purple rain yeah. and, you know, of course, all the movies that came out, Ghostbusters. You look at the movies that came uh, out. You sort of can't imagine how there was room. Like, how yeah. were there not? Because there are hits. Like, there's a hit. It has to have been every weekend of a, a quintessential 1980s hit came out. It's yeah. crazy. Yeah. It was, it was such a year. Yeah. So, and, and uh, you know, it's it, it's funny. Like, there's so many years, uh, decades where years that start with a four. So, yeah. Or end with a four, rather. seem to have, like, big... 94 was when... 
Friends and ER premiered, and well, that's interesting. 2004 was when Lost came out, yeah. and Desperate Housewives, and, and I'm thinking from, purely from a TV side, but I'm sure there's a music uh, and, and film component to all of that, too. Yeah, that's interesting. So. Yeah, I, I thought about it a lot when we were talking about the title, because... You know, it was it's it's obviously evocative of other things too. But for me, 1984 is 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 what it was in my generation. What was the quintessential year and Van Halen album and everything? <laughs> yeah. You know that you're like 1984. That yeah. was it. That oh, was the 80s. Yeah, or Orwell, obviously. Yeah, even like the Apple commercial. Yeah, exactly. I mean, the, it all roads lead to 1984. Exactly. So, so yeah, of course you would. Uh, yeah, I was it, like, no, it can't be 985. And it can't be 83. It's 84. It's yeah. got to be 84. Yeah. You know, no, that's, that's it. That, that's funny. That's funny. And, uh, and of course, now the, the year that the young ones ended. Yeah, So exactly. So when are you going to do uh, so, uh, uh, next next film, uh, big comedy? Uh, I would love to do a comedy, like a, 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 a smart comedy and a fun comedy. But I think about it all the time. And I also have the benefit of working with some really funny actors. And so mm-hmm. we all joke about it all the time. We always have like... 10 comedies that we're working on on the side but <clears throat> I don't know I, I you know there's always the potential you know future of Wonder Woman but I, I kind of hope to do something else first or or in the mix there just like I did this time and so <clears throat> I don't know we'll have to see we'll have to see there's a couple genres I super love and comedy is one of them that I'm dying to do yeah yeah and how about TV I mean uh, you know it's a uh, Again, with the blurring of lines, I know a lot of times even shooting long-form uh, uh, long uh, events, like yeah. I'm the Night, sort of feels more like shooting a film than it does shooting a TV show, but yep, it's definitely. still episodic. So uh, do, you, do you feel like there, there's more room to do that? Do you want to do like a real specific episodic traditional TV show, or, or do you think long-form makes more sense? Especially given you know your what? Schedule. I really don't care. I really don't know. It depends on what the project is. I think so. I have about four or five things I'm excited about. They're all different, and but yet, if like a pilot for a great ongoing series came along that was the right thing to do, I would do that. Uh, limited series is kind of. I'm not dying to jump into it again, just because it's as, it's as long as a, of a shooting schedule as Wonder Woman, yeah. and like that's these are major projects to take on. I would rather you know not do these things that shoot for ninety days, but um, but but I would do it. If yeah. That's the project that I fell in love with. But in the future, in the long term, I think I'll I plan on doing them all. Yeah. You know, it's and that's what's so great is that finally, for many years, I couldn't get Fauna story told because there wasn't the 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 limited series uh, appetite right. hadn't returned, right. and it wasn't a highbrow thing yet, and it wasn't quite a movie, and it wasn't quite a show, and so the idea that stories like that that couldn't be told now can be told in in whatever uh, length. And on whatever platform suits it is so exciting. Well, Patty, thank you so much, A, for bringing back Young Ones to my attention. Cause I don't <laughs> think I had watched it since I was a kid watching MTV oh, in the I'm 80s. So, so it was time to revisit it uh, and, and uh, remember those old characters from, you know, God, what is that, 35 years ago? Jeez. Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's scary. But uh, fun to see that again. And uh, congrats on I Am the Night. And looking forward to Wonder Woman 1984. So Thank a you. lot to look forward to as well. Great Thank talking you. to you. So good to talk to you. Awesome.
And that's it for this edition of My Favorite Episode. Join us again next time as we once again explore another guest pick. And be sure to subscribe to My Favorite Episode on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or anywhere you download podcasts. Also, head on over to Variety.com for your daily fix of TV news, analysis, and reviews. I'm Michael Schneider, and we'll see you again next time. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.